0: After 153 episodes, this is my final episode of the Movement Podcast. This has been a tremendous stretch of almost three years where I visited with you for a few minutes each week to introduce you to the best leaders in mobility, share their lessons, and hopefully inspire you to make the decisions necessary to build the equitable, accessible, and verdant mobility future that we all deserve. I won't be going far, and I'll still be in the industry. I hope you'll still say hello occasionally on Twitter. You can find me at at CohenJP. And I hope to come back to visit the podcast every once in a while. As for the Movement Podcast, TransLoke would love to hear your thoughts on what can be done to make this an even better podcast. Please send your suggestions to julie.gates at com, And she'll use your feedback to help build the Movement Podcast 2.0. You can also sign up for the Movement's newsletter at com. In the meantime, I wanted to leave you with some of the voices that have resonated with me over the past three years as host of the Movement podcast. The most challenging, but also most rewarding episodes were the narrative style episodes where I focused on Charlotte and Pittsburgh. Because they not only required interviewing my guests, but also stitching together a compelling story that highlighted the common themes of the interviews with the other research I had done on the community. For me, these episodes resonated because they were experiential in nature. Here's a snippet from episode 52 about the work Charlotte, North Carolina is doing to make its city more equitable. I approached this trip from the perspective of having a testimony. I rode my bike to the Durham train station, caught the Amtrak down to Charlotte, and brought my bike with me on the train so I could have another way to move around Charlotte. Good morning. I have a bike... uh... Reservation to put on board. I just didn't know if I needed to do anything special. Awesome. These episodes thrust me into the story and reinforced what has been a critical theme throughout the podcast, the importance of leaders understanding what it's like on the ground. Nothing beats actually experiencing the transit, bike lanes, or sidewalks, or lack thereof, yourself. This premise formed one of the key tenets of Leadership Upside Down the leadership framework inspired by the weekly conversations on the podcast. One of the things that has been important to me during the course of my time hosting the Movement Podcast is ensuring that I'm representing the diversity of experiences of people experiencing mobility. From my conversations with Chris Pangolinan to Sunday Parker to the two-episode series focusing on people with disabilities featuring Zach Hertz, Micah Lucignan, Crystal Monteros, Tanisha Sepulveda, and Anna Zivartz, I wanted to challenge everyone to ensure that we didn't look at mobility from only our own point of view, but from the point of view of others, as Tanisha related in episode 128.
1: I've gotten locked in the (laughs) Seattle downtown courtroom bathroom before because the door was too heavy for me to push open. And so I had to end up calling um, the building and letting them know I was trapped in there because nobody would hear me otherwise.
0: This focus on ensuring that we didn't just provide a gilded and optimistic view of mobility extended to issues of gender. In episode 110, Leslie Richards, the general manager of SEPTA in Philadelphia, explained how she used her role as both an elected and appointed state official to ensure that the places she worked were welcoming to everyone working there. And Guillermo Diaz-Fañas shared in episode 117 how important it is to design infrastructure, that is not only climate resilient, but gender responsive, so everyone can feel safe using transit. Issues of race are likewise critical to address when discussing mobility. My conversations with Charles Brown, Dr. Destiny Thomas, Tamika Butler, Sara Suleiman, Ariel Ward, and Brittany Brown all jump out to me for the ways that they shared their experiences and why it's imperative for all of us especially those of us whose privilege has shaped the way we see mobility to address the issue of racism and mobility. As Charles Brown shares in episode 74. This was a time when not many people that weren't people of color were talking about it. Can you only imagine how people looked at us talking about race being an issue in planning? It wasn't comfortable, but it was the right thing to do and the reason why it was uncomfortable for them is because they lived a life of privilege where race was, wasn't a factor. It wasn't a variable that made them see things differently. But guess what? Now the world has seen why it's important. The plus side of that is that I believe that tomorrow is going to be better than today. Some of the other conversations have continued to resonate with me, even after all this time. I've said before that I'm grateful to Lynn Ross, who shared that we can only move at the speed of trust. I probably need to get a tattoo of that one. It has so thoroughly etched itself into me. Others resonate with me more for the feelings they evoked. The quiet grace of Mitchell Silver and David Kim. The spirit of Tamika Monterville and Ashton Simpson. The humanity of Janet Terian and Jose Richard Aviles the fire of Timothy Papandreou and Alex Baca, and so many more that I've integrated into how I think about things every day. So thank you to all of our guests who have inspired me. I'm indebted to all of you as listeners. This is such a weird medium in that any feedback that you get is delayed since people listen at different times, often while doing other things. So it is always nice to receive a kind word about an episode via email or Twitter. And even if you never gave us any feedback, thank you for taking the time to listen. I'm also thankful for the contributions of our editor, Gene Gates, and our transcriptionist, Thomas Kevin, as well as the various co-hosts I've had, like Laren Jensen, Ashley Schultz, Danny McFall, and Austin Stanion. I couldn't have done this without the support of my managers, past and present, Julie Gates, Jamie Cox, and Doug Kaufman, and the Transloc leadership, who never wavered in their commitment to equitable accessible and verdant mobility that we all deserve. Thank you. I'm also indebted to my family, who I promised would get the last word. They've been patient with me for the past three years as I've asked them to be quiet when I was recording episodes at home during the pandemic. I gave each of my kids a minute to talk about mobility from their perspective. First up is my 13-year-old daughter, Ella, who wanted to chat about her recent experience taking transit in New York City and the importance of investing in bike infrastructure. We went on a trip to New York recently. How different was that than your life in Durham?
1: Well, in New York we took a lot of trains and buses and I really like the subway.
0: Because yeah.
1: I think it's cool that there's so many people that use the same kind of transportation to get places because everything's so much like closer.
0: Yeah, more dense. Yeah. Do we also walk a lot?
1: Yeah, we walked a lot, but I walk a lot here too. Not necessarily, I guess, much to get places, but we do a lot of walking and biking.
0: Where are some places that you walk or bike?
1: School, downtown sometimes, just around the neighborhood to get exercise.
0: Now you're wearing a Wisconsin Badgers sweatshirt right now. What does that have to do with transportation?
1: Well, Madison, which is where the University of Wisconsin is, is a very, very bike-friendly place. It has a lot of bike lanes. There's been a lot of money put into um, supporting biking in Madison, and um, it's really cool because biking is a really great way to get around, And that it supports it very, very much is is really cool to me.
0: You know I love biking too. Yeah. My 11-year-old son, Dashiell, wanted to give his two cents about his experience walking to school every day. All right, Dash, you've been walking to school this year. Tell me about that experience.
2: Well, I have to leave at 8.15, so that's not, you know, optimal. But it's really fun because there's, like, a bunch of kids that live in my neighborhood, and we all walk to school together. We walk the same route every day with the general same people. So patterns arise. There's a big road called University Drive a lot of people have been on, and it's a brush hour, and so you know when we cross it it's just like all conversations kind of cease and we all just kind of cross this big road and it's just really interesting to be a part of that experience
0: would you say you enjoy walking to school as opposed to getting to school any other way
2: well yeah it's funny you say that because i i definitely enjoy walking to school i think it's definitely a lot more fun because i get to be with my friends and I get some exercise. And so like when I come home from school, like my parents don't have to hound me about getting exercise because <laughs> I'll have walked to school that morning.
0: And my seven-year-old son, Max, just learned to ride a bike. So Max, tell me about something that you did recently, which is learning to ride a bike. What was that experience like?
2: Um, it was nice just getting to feel Like, going down hills, the wind, while riding it.
0: What was the hardest part about learning how to ride a bike?
2: Probably getting, like, the turning and balancing right.
0: Yeah. And what about when you rode down the big hill for the first time? What did that feel like to you?
2: That felt nice, because, like, at the bottom, you can lightly let go of the brakes and go faster for a bit.
0: Yeah. Does that feel good? Yeah. Yeah. And what kind of things do you hope to be able to do now that you know how to ride your bike?
2: Go places with my family. Yeah. Go out to ice cream or pizza or something.
0: Thanks, Ella, Dasher and Max, for your perspectives. And now, after 153 episodes, I've talked enough. Now it's time to do. I hope you'll join me in doing everything I can to ensure equitable mobility for all. Let's go.
1: Thank you, Josh. We'll miss you. Thank you for listening to us for the past two years. As we determine the future of The Movement Podcast, it's time for us to listen to you. How would you like to see this evolve? What topics do you want covered? What can we do to make this an even better podcast? Aside from convincing Josh Cohen to stay with us. Send your suggestions to julie.gates at translocke.com, and we'll use your feedback to build The Movement Podcast 2.0. You can also sign up for The Movement's newsletter, at transloke.com. We really do appreciate you. Thanks for listening to The Movement.